Good morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Raul, and uh, we have change of program, as we've been saying, and we are honored by that. Uh, this week, today, and uh, the, the, the next two Sundays are uh, a time, uh, international day of prayer for the persecuted church. And we have uh, a guest with us, uh, uh, Mariam Ibrahim, and she has a story to tell to us, the church. And so uh, we're going to watch this quick 60-second uh, introductory video of her and then invite her up, and uh, she will share her story. So please watch. Many of you have been following the Christian woman in Sudan who was sentenced to death. Convicted of converting from, from Islam, Islam to Christianity. Because of their faith. I don't believe in their religion or what Allah said or what Muhammad said. The right religion. The just ignore this is peaceful. We are here to raise our voice. Sentenced to death. Being a Christian. She's a victim. Help me to be faithful to you on the time of trial. I just prayed for a miracle. Mariam, I'd like to invite you up. Um, so as you may gather from the short video, uh, this is a story of uh, one who's been persecuted for their faith uh, in a closed country. And so uh, we, we know that this is a community church, but the, just have awareness if there, the, there might be some sensitive and challenging details that maybe youngsters might have a hard time hearing. So just, just have some awareness of that as, you're, as we step into this time. Mary. Thank you for being here today. Your time is so valuable. And I think this was actually somewhat of a fluke. Your, your, your flight got changed. And it allowed for you to be here with us in person. And so uh, we're grateful, grateful for that. So uh, I think I'd just like to start off our time by uh, asking you to share a little bit about your childhood. Uh, where, where were you born? How did you grow up? How did that kind of set the scene for, for your life? Good morning, everyone, and thank you for um, allowing me to be here. I'm truly blessed. Um, I'm originally, I was born in Sudan. Uh, I was born in a refugee camp in eastern Sudan. Um, my mother originally from Ethiopia. She flew war and settled in a refugee camp. My father from Darfur. They happened to meet and married. Um, I was born for a Muslim father and Christian mother, so it's very challenging uh, life and childhood, and um, a very extreme community. So, but I was raised by my mother, and she's a Christian. So, so uh, your father passed when you were young, and he was Muslim, but your your mother raised you Christian. Uh, how did how did that dynamic? Um, create problems or challenges for you later as, a, as an adult? Like, in Sudan, uh, are you viewed as Christian or were you viewed as Muslim? No, I wasn't um, 
supposed to be a Muslim because under Sharia law, children who was born for a Muslim father, they must follow their father's religion. So by the law, I was considered Muslim. And uh, for my mom, actually, to raise me as a Christian was a problem, but she's very, um, you know, careful in how what to share, you know, there's lots of details on my book. And as he said, it's a very sensitive story that um, she kind of breaks the law when she raised me and my other two siblings as a Christian. So, so, so you grew up Christian, you're holding Christian values. Uh, I, you came to marry a Christian man, you had a, a two children, we'll, we'll get to that, but you, you had a son, and then what happened in 2013? So um, I, I married to a Christian man, of course, my mother passed away, and then things really start to get changed because some part of my father's family tried to come after me, and um, I was called by the police and the safety of my home, and when I went to the police station, because actually, back to the story, my father, when he left Darfur, he had another family, because, you know, in Islam, he married more than a wife. And he abandoned his wife and then came to a different city, married another woman and have children. So when they came looking for me, when they knew I was Christian, this was very upsetting for them. And the government actually kind of, you know, take uh, side, take their side, because, yes, I'm not supposed to be Christian. So I was arrested and uh, went through trials. My first accusation was adultery. The, I was married at the church, but by the law here, because I'm a Muslim girl, I'm not supposed to marry to a Christian or non-Muslim man. So I break the law by doing so. I, I, was, I faced uh, criminal charges, and adultery was very uh, serious criminal charges. And then when I continue saying, no, I am not a Muslim, I'm a Christian, this is another, add another char criminal charge for me, and it's uh, apostasy, which means abandoning Islam. So that's how I have to go through you know, court trials and end up being sent to prison on Christmas Eve of 2013. Wow, Christmas Eve. What was the punishment that they decided for you? Uh, for adultery, 100 lashes, and for apostasy, death by hanging. Yes. That's my, and then my children, actually, my, my son, on my, my, when I went to prison, he was, went with me. They are considered illegitimate children because they came to life in a wrong way. So I, the government will take the kids in that case, and they're supposed to be sent to the orphan when they turn two years. So your son was in prison with you. The, the sentence wasn't carried out right away. Why not? So when, um, about my children, so this is, I shared this yesterday. When God want to bring something new, he bring a child like Moses, like mm. Jesus. So during my trial, I, I, I mean, uh, I have, my son was um, less than a year old. And my husband happened to come a visit just from United States. I'm residing in Sudan. I start my business. I mean, I don't want to, there's not any much of the conversation for me to come to the state because I, I like United States. I like America, but I, I feel comfortable in my home. That's what's my plan. But God have a different plan for me and for my children and for all of us. Mm. So um, 
the during the trial, I really didn't put much because it was very challenging time for me. My life was turned upside down because out of nowhere I faced myself in a court, you know, going through trials and most of the time, you know, I didn't know if I would go come back home because any minute the judge can get angry and send me to jail and that's what happened. So during that time I got pregnant and my uh, when I'm going to prison actually that's when I discovered that news because they have to do medical evaluation and I was informed like, you're pregnant. So I remember like telling my husband, they said I'm pregnant and like you have to say Shihara, accept Islam and let go of things and then you go home and do whatever you want. Nobody will come after you. So there's a lot of options for me. A lot of, it's kind of like they try to negotiate the situation with me. But for me, it, it wasn't an option to say Shihara and to say no to Christ. So I was sent when I on my way to prison, knowing that I'm pregnant. So at the end of the trial, before I received my sentence, the, the pregnancy was become one of the reasons to delay my sentence. Because the judge said, because you're pregnant, you, this is my sentence, death by hanging, and, and, and 100 lashes before that for adultery. But because you're pregnant, you have, were given two years to, according to Sharia law. So that's one of the miracles God has for me that time. Yes, a child saved your life. So uh, the... The, the, the hanging of you was appropriate by Sharia law, but to, the death of your, the child in you was illegal. So they, that's why they kind of stayed the execution for a few years. Um, and then all you needed to do was recant. Is that correct? To, to save your life, you just needed to deny Christ. But you refused to deny Christ, which uh, you extended your time in prison. What was, I guess, I guess the two-part question there is, what was prison like? What was it like for you? And what gave you the fortitude to not deny Christ under such pressure? It's a little bit tricky question. Yeah, yeah, let's start with the first one. What was it like? But, what was your experience like in so prison? So prison, uh, I, I always share this. Now I do prison ministry, and I go visit different prisons in America, and I was like, not complaining about the situation in Sudan, but honestly, like in America, like five stars hotel <laughs> prison. Like, it's, I mean, you wow. can't even say, how do you start with like staying on the line for the war you have, it's just terrible. I mean, it's just terrible place. And I have never like thought in my life that I would go to place, to be in a place like that. For me, I see myself like I never broke the law, like I never done any crime to, to deserve to go to prison. Not judgmental to others, but yet I have lots of encounter and, and you know, spiritual experiences, like, Knowing that I am there not because the judge or the prison guard or the imam said I am unclean and I am infidel and I deserve to die. I knew that I was there because for my love for Christ. And, and he said, you never leave us nor forsake us. I knew he sees me, he was me, he was my children. God is hand over us everywhere we go. So 
And there's a lot of time that when the prison guard will get really angry and, you know, try to, you know, harm me, but I don't really feel angry or upset, but I see the anger in their eyes, in their face. So, and uh, I say this like, the you know, when I am weak, then I am strong. That's many moments like that. They see me weak, hopeless, and, but I, see, I don't feel that, you know. So, and besides the prayer, you know, I, I didn't know much about that, but there's too many people have really prayed for me and my children during our time. And, and at the beginning, we did. Like, in prison, I don't have access to much communication with outside the world. I remember we say, we pray rosary through my chance. I use my chance, the shackle, to pray rosary or by my finger. And God answered our prayer and put us in many people's hearts. So um, prison is hard, but God is good, and he kept his promises for me and for my children. And to be clear, your, your book is called Shackled. Why is that? So um, I was kept in shackled, and then I was pregnant, and I gave birth to my second child in shackled, in prison floor. So, like... This is one of the things, it might be a little bit hard to listen, to hear, but like the last moment, they still think I will listen and I will be scared and I will accept the shihada because they don't even allow me to go. During my pregnancy, like I have no access to medical care. I don't, I don't even know what this child is was happening, you know, to the child, but... God brought life and was given second chance by that. So, um, yeah, I remember when the, the, the midwife that's helping me to give birth, she cried during that time. She said, I have never done something like that. I can't help like someone in that situation. This is a very sensitive moment. And she would go to prison uh, administration and ask for the key. Give me the key for the chance, the shackle. I will open it. And if this woman escaped or something happened, I would take responsibility and be in her place. But they never done that. They, so. Mm. so these are, this is a dire circumstance. You have a dirt floor. You have an open window. It's cold. Your son is with you this whole time. What, is, what does your son do during this time? How, he, what is he, one and a half at that point? Yeah, he's... Um, very active, you know, toddler. He spent most of his toddler head in prison. So, and he just, when we just went to prison, he just started to walk. Like, he just want to run everywhere. And we have limited space and, and, and then the shackle and then the pregnancy. It's just hard for me to move. And besides, most of the inmates inside prison knew my situation. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if this can offend someone, but when it came to Islam, Muslim people really take it very serious. Like, not like as a Christian when you, offend, when you say a bad thing about, you know, Christian or the Bible or something like They took it very serious. Like, everyone in that prison are responsible in bringing honor to Islam. So we are in very bad place physically. So, um, so I try to accompany Martin and keep him entertained, my son. Um, and you know, we're mothers, we are always very creative when it's come to entertaining our children. I mean, so one of the things I would do, we do the bingo in walk, because with the pregnancy moving forward, my, my legs, my left um, legs start very swelling, 
and the shackle went so deep on the, the, my skin, so I would just slide my, my, my legs, you know, to move. So we do, we do it like a game. And I would tell my friend, now we do this now at the beach or on the snow, you know, on the sand. We do the prison walk, penguin walk. So, <laughs> and I, yeah, that's one of the things. We keep Martin entertained, yeah. my son. Yeah. But he don't remember much of really what's happened because one of the things also I didn't teach him uh, Arabic because the prison guard actually, there's a lot of children and by the law you are allowed to keep your child until two years. So there's a lot of, you know, mothers and women that they have allowed to keep their children, which is not the case here in the United States. So, so when the prison guard want to search around, there's a lot of women, they keep like stuff with them, you know, smoke and, you know, face makeup stuff. It's not allowed in prison. And phones, the prison guard will ask the children, the children will immediately tell them. Where's your mom keeping the phone? <laughs> smoke? <laughs> so the prison guard will use the children. For me, I avoid teaching Martin because, you know, we do pray, but he doesn't really know much, you know, about what we're doing. And I don't want him to catch language from inside the prison because, you know, they don't use nice words in that. So you're, you're pregnant. You're under intense pressure to recant. You have your son. You can hardly move. Um, and you're, you're, you got this death sentence hanging over you. And somehow you found time to start some businesses? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, you know, my mom, I was raised by what they call foreigner woman, and she's a single mom. In our area, when I'm a little one, she's taking care of us, almost she's the only woman working on the market with limited, like, Arabic language. And I was so, like, very sensitive thing I would share. Before we put food on the table, we know where it's come from. And we know she worked for it. So, like, even during our time at the refugees camp, my mom wanted to stay in the line, like, waiting for it. She would go and work on the market. So I just have this, like, you know, an, an way of independence or, you know, help women to do the same thing. And um, I done that before I go to prison. I stopped my business. And then when I went to inside the prison, like, I didn't take much of the time to think about my own problems. That's one of the things my mom teaches me. Like, when you face trial or trouble in life, don't just overthink it and, like, oh, the end of the world, and I'm... This is the end. So God always have plans, and he worked miracles in our life. And we heal when we help others. So a lot of, you know, very encouraging quotes my mom used to say to me. So, and I was, in that prison time, at least I have a lawyer, you know. I can I'm be able to pay for staff. I can be able to have my children have diabetes as the children don't have clothing inside the prison. So that's why I start, you know, to look around and just minister to others and just, you know, I enjoyed that time in prison, but I really did. I mean, there's a lot of moments I would sit and just cry and pray and sometimes to laugh about some of the conversation we have with the women inside the prison. It was one of the moments that, you know, also I knew that my trial is not to harm me or destroy my life. It's trial of purpose. And God teaches me too many things during that time. 
So I, I help one of the Ethiopians, I trafficked the Ethiopian girls, start open a coffee shop. And there's a lot of pictures of me when I left Sudan in the internet of my hair braided and everybody like, how did you braid your hair inside the prison? <laughs> so, that's one of the, so that's, yeah, part of the story. Uh, you have a lot of fortitude. Um, we're thankful for your mother and what she taught you and how you lived that out. And you lived that out um, in this case by uh, maintaining your commitment to Christ. Is there any particular thing that happened or any, uh, oh, what helped you maintain your faith in, uh, under such great pressure to recant? One of the things I was, uh, in that video, that's my Bible that I smuggle inside prison, that I will make sure that I have my Bible with me, God is word, and it's truth, and um, his living words are truth. So, and it's, have all the answers. God is word, answer for all the questions, all the troubles in life. So, and I knew about persecution, you know, before my, even the, the, my trial, as a religious minority, or Christian, we face persecution in many different ways. And I remember my priest will tell me that, like, but you are facing something different now. Yours is just like in the Bible, like Peter and Paul, like, I'm like, what does really he mean by that? But it's true, you know, we face persecution in many different ways. When it's, and it's come to our relationship, like Christian faith or, or you know, Christianity, it isn't just religion that you practice it and follow things. It's special relationship with Christ. And that's part of the story. I'm not a good public speaker, if you guys know this, because I keep repeating the same thing. <laughs> Word. I don't even know sometimes, like, you know, I just share, I don't prepare, like, a speech or things like that, and um, I just share my heart, and I hope you guys understand my accent, too, you know. Yes, you yes, 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 we're thankful. <laughs> well, um, in your book, there is the uh, explanation of how you came to freedom uh, from your circumstance, which I think just for the sake of time, we won't get it, go into that, but it was an uh, international outcry from the churches, and you had support in various different realms. Even Pope Francis uh, got involved and assisted in your, uh, in your release from prison. You got to meet him, which is incredible. Um, I guess what I would love to have you express to this church and this community, people online, is uh, what do you want to encourage us in as the church related to the persecuted church? How would you, what kind of charge or encouragement would you give uh, us today because of the experience that you went through and were saved from? So during my time in Brisbane, I don't, as I said, I didn't have much communication with us, but I did pray. And, and when I remember coming out of prison, we, I'm no longer able to go to my house because some of the extremists are really angry about me being released because at least I should get killed. That's what I deserve. So when I left a prison, I have to seek refuge at the U.S. Embassy in Khartoum. So I remember just coming out. I have, I, actually, there's one thing I want to share. When I'm in prison, my daughter, after she was born, I, I gave her my name, Maya. 
the prison administration put her anonymously, like unknown, because they're waiting until she turned two years, they will take her to the orphan and give her Islamic name. As soon as I left prison, the first thing I did, I asked for my daughter to be baptized and given name and identity in Christ. So that's what's so, it's something like, I remember one of the, the embassy employee was one of our church members. He asked me, why did you do that? And do you know what's happening outside? I say, no, what's happening? Why are these people angry with me? He said, just, he, he, I don't have my phone, I don't have computer. So he brought his computer and typed my name. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all this stuff, is this me? So I'm like, I came out to prison knowing that I, this, all this noise happening and I didn't know about it. I was like, just too many people prayed for me and for my children, advocated for me and called for our release and freedom. And yet we do have so much freedom in Christ. No matter where we are, I was able, you know, to pray and, you know, and um, one of the things when it comes to the story of the persecuted church, people will think it's sad stories, but I, you know what the good news is not because they are not that emotional stories. They are truth. They are God's stories. They are his stories. And, and as a believer, we, I, I do think that um, this is not like our home, you know. We all hope for eternal life with Christ. And no matter what's happened in life for us during our time in, on earth, it's just, you know, prepare us for a better uh, reward in heaven. So we face persecution, but not, um, it's not the end of God have the last say and have the last word. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Well, we're grateful for uh, your willingness to share your story. I know there's so many details left out. We're skipping over a lot. Um, but I, uh, I wonder if you might, we want to pray for you. Uh, and I'm going to, in just a moment, invite a couple of our prayer team to come up. But I wondered if uh, you would honor us by praying over us. Uh, the Lord has gifted you something unique and significant, and uh, your words over us would be an honor and a blessing. So I, I wonder if you might pray over us and for our hearts to receive the, uh, what the Spirit wants to give through your story and prompt us to in mission. And then we'll, we'll pray over you and, and pray for the persecuted church. But would you pray? Before I pray, can I say something? Yes. So when I'm in prison, I, I, I wasn't really in our community for them, I wasn't really, I'm a little thing because I don't really have a big family, wealthy family or someone really. So one of the things that's always uh, happened because my response to the court system was very serious. And how dare she say no to Islam and talk back to the judge or respond or try to defend herself. So when if they question, they start thinking that there's really missionaries or spy or, you know, some foreign uh, Western organization or people who are coming to attack Islam and convert girls. And the response also, she's supposed to be set an example. And that's exactly what's happened in the Roman Empire when they kill Christians. Kill one, two, three, so others can see them as example and they don't dare to follow Christ. So, and one of the things that I always they say, who is behind you? Like, who is in the, during my interrogation or call? Like, there's someone really powerful you're relying on. That's why you're saying, you know, and you know that person will come and rescue you. 
I says no one other than Jesus. So I would say simple prayer that I pray that God will give you the strength and wisdom and courage and just to to be able to stand your commitment when I say I am pleva and I follow Christ, I give my life to Christ. This is very huge responsibility, but just fear is an enemy. And if there's anything that's happened, bring fear into our life. I pray God will take it away and bless it with strength and courage and wisdom. And he sees us. He, he knows what's in our heart and what's in our mind, what's in our life and what we need. And I pray that you will have the ability or, you know, to see, to feel God's presence if you ever happen to face trial in life. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you.